really excited about this morning is we're in part two. And by the way, welcome to everyone online. Great to have you with us. Um, and great to have everybody in the room with us today. And I really feel excited about this second part. In fact, I feel excited about every part of this series, Living Large. Because if you'll understand that God wired His theology, you know, most people don't know what theology means, right? They just think, oh, it's a faith word. Well, theology means this. Theo means God, theos is God, and ology is logic in Greek. So it's God logic. Theology is God logic. That's what it is. So when you understand God's theology has been wired into your biology, it changes the way that you think. And last week we began to talk about how we started as one cell that divided and multiplied into two and then four and then eight and 16. And we went right through it as far as my mathematical brain on the spot could do it. And you are billions of cells inside that body. God could have brought you by Amazon. He could have brought you by post. He could have brought you hand delivered. He could have brought you by a stalk. But He brought you by one cell so that His theology would be evident in your biology so you would understand His grand purpose for your life. I was thinking about this the other day and I thought, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, people in this world are very greedy. And, and the problem with greed is just simply that what God has put inside of you to multiply and to be uh, fruitful has just taken a bad turn. It's got a wrong motivation. But it's understandable because God's wired you with His theology into your biology to be a multiplication machine. In fact, your body produces something like 2 uh, million blood cells every two minutes or so. And if you didn't produce those cells, you would die. If you had uh, no multiplication of cells in your lungs, you'd be dead in minutes and seconds. So multiplication is how you survive. And God did that because He wanted you to understand how He wired you. Then God created the earth and human beings and He gave three of the first, three commands were exactly the same. He comes into Adam's life Adam and Eve have been created. They have no idea. They weren't born like we are and these children that we dedicated today are. They had no idea. So they're ignorant of this theology, this God logic. So God says, listen, first command, be fruitful and multiply. Not just uh, trim the hedges or look after the animals. It was be fruitful and multiply. The second command after Adam had failed he comes to Noah. Noah's just been through a flood. There's now devastation. And God says to him in verse 1 of chapter 9, I think we'll have up there, be fruitful and multiply number and fill the earth. Then in verse 7, he says it again. He says, as for you, be fruitful and multiply in the earth and increase upon it. So the first command God gives to Adam is to be fruitful and multiply. The second command to Noah is in his devastation. He says, be fruitful and multiply. He says it again the third time. Then he starts saying it to Abraham. I'm going to multiply your descendants. He goes on and on. He says it to Isaac. He says it to Jacob. And right through the Bible, that's why he created the wind. Because when the wind blows all over the world, multiplication happens as the seeds blow into different places and are planted. God has wired the earth to multiply. That's why we can feed 8 billion people. That's why we can feed 12 billion people, despite what they tell you, because 
We can multiply if we understand it. We can multiply and we can continually move forward. And God's wired that, 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 that DNA of multiplication, not just into your physical body for children, but into your mind. So our new ideas, new creations, new inventions. The world is constantly multiplying its ability to do things. Why he's done it in your emotions. So one of the greatest theological principles that you'll ever grasp is that God wants you to live large. God wants you to understand multiplication because when you put it to work and you understand it, guess what happens? Your life multiplies, your peace multiplies, your joy multiplies, your family multiplies, everything multiplies in your life. Maybe not all at the same time, but it multiplies. And I want you to understand it because it's so powerful. So Adam, he's ignorant. So maybe you're ignorant. God wants to open your eyes, multiply. Maybe you've been devastated like Noah. Multiply, he says to you. Maybe you're barren and can't multiply. And God says, I want you to multiply. I will bless you. God is so committed to it. So for that reason, you know, if you look at our vision as a church, I am committed to us planning 200 campuses. I know it's going to happen. I know we're going to have 200 properties around the world. I know that we're going to see 100,000 people find Jesus. I know we're going to raise 10,000 leaders. Why am I so confident? Not because I'm good, but because the law of multiplication and being fruitful is so profound that if all I do is stick my needle into the, into the, into the bloodstream of multiplication, it will just happen. Does that make sense? Everything that is normal will multiply the way God wants it to be. And so I know it's going to happen. I don't know whether it will be, like for instance, this year we're going to plant two campuses, two more campuses this year. Next year it might be three. There's some, one year we're going to get to 10 campuses that we're planting a year in Colombia, Brazil, in Europe, in the Philippines, in Malaysia, in Africa, all over the world. We're going to plant campuses. That's, you know, and that's so easy. Keeping just a few people happy is the worst game in the whole world. Fulfilling God's purpose for the earth, multiplying is where joy and faith and peace comes. If you were, weren't wired for multiplication, you'd be happy not doing it. But because you're wired for it, you're not content unless you're multiplying. And I want to show you how to so stay with me this week and next week because I'm going to talk to you about one of the great conundrums that you have in your life because of the way you've been taught and the way that you uh, sin creates uh, the opposition to what God wants, right? I promise you, if you can do the things that cause multipl uh, multiplication, uh, you're gonna stop living an average life. You're gonna stop being depressed or discouraged. You see, God wants to help you understand it. Now, God spoke this uh, to the children of Israel. It just happens. Now, if you read in the book of Exodus about the children of Israel, it says this, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful they multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. So the Egyptians hated it. So what they do, they put more pressure. And I want you to get this this morning. But the more they were oppressed, everybody say oppressed. The more they just multiplied. See, people want to just stay oppressed. Here's the answer to being oppressed multiply. The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. And so the Egyptians came to dread them. 
Let me tell you, in your workplace, you may be the smallest, the weakest, whatever, but if you'll understand God's power of multiplication that's been widened to your biology, you will start to multiply and people will be shocked. They'll oppress you and they can't keep you down because multiplication always wins. That's why the devil brings division. God brings multiplication. Devil brings division. Wherever there's division, no, God's not at work. Wherever there's division, it's against God. It's anti-Christ at work, right? So understand multiplication is God's desire. You must get this theology. I'm excited. Can you tell I'm excited? I want you to get excited because when I saw this, I stopped living like a pleb who was just hoping, oh, somehow I'd get lucky. Somehow it all happened. I started putting my life into gear. I'm a multiplying machine. I'm a multiplier on my, on my faith level. God wants to multiply my peace. He wants to multiply my character. He wants to multiply my gifts. I started with very small amount of gifts. I was the one talent guy, but I didn't bury it. I sought God for more. And God says, wow, He's been faithful with that. Wow, well, let's widen His gift mix and we'll give Him more gifts, more gifts, more gifts, more gifts. I am far more gifted today than I ever was 30 years ago. If you think I was at my prime at 25, you are wrong. I'm at my prime now and I'm not even at my prime yet. Why? Because I'm multiplying. I see it in my grandchildren, six grandchildren already. Ben's only 20, so don't get married yet, son. Uh, There's plenty of time for the other grandchildren to come along. And our family's multiplied, but it's multiplied in harmony, in peace and in joy. Why? Because we're multipliers. We have the spirit of multiplication. Let me tell you something. This is why, I want you to hear this. This is why you should attend the prayer meeting every week. Now, it's not the pastor trying to do a cell. I like praying by myself, so don't come. <laughs> but the point is this. You should attend the prayer meeting because it's the fuel. If you, wanna, if you want your grass to grow, you put things on the grass. You water the lawn. You make sure that it's got nutrients. Prayer is how you cause the multiplication machine inside of you to be fed for your life to grow. If you're not there, good luck. You'll make it hard for yourself. One hour investment will change your life. Join a rise group, be discipled on purpose. Why? We're not trying, I promise you this, I will not waste your time. I don't have enough time to waste myself. I'm not gonna put things on that are a waste of time. Been there, done that, not interested. I want you to multiply. Everything's about that today. Oh, can you tell I'm passionate? I want to get a smile every now and again so people don't think I'm mad or something. <laughs> so that's my smile, all right? <laughs> that's done, okay. So we want you to lead a rise group. Have a, have a desire to lead. I was talking to someone yesterday. I said, look, it's inside of your leadership. Lean into it. Take every opportunity and multiply. I learned all of my psychology about people understanding things when I go into deals and all kinds of stuff from the church, from being in the church. It's the great education, the great classroom of your skills for work is here where you're loved, where nobody comes unless they have, I want to. They don't come because they're getting paid. Imagine if you lead people that don't get paid. Then you can lead easily the people that get paid. Jesus was so profoundly affected by this that he said this, I am the true vine. My father is the keeper of the vineyard. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Listen to that. God's so committed to your fruitfulness that he cuts off stuff from your life that he thinks is not helping you. 
Oh, God, what are you doing? Just cutting off the stuff that's not fruitful. Oh, God, what are you doing? Just cutting off the stuff. But I like that person. I'm cutting it off. They're making you dead. I want to make you fruitful. Cut. This is what Jesus says in this famous chapter in, one, in John 15. I am the true vine. You are the branches, right? He goes on, he says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit and every branch that does bear fruit, he cuts too. Prunes to make it even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you just as no branch can bear fruit. Here it is. Hello, everybody. You can't be fruitful by yourself. Unless it remains in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, says Jesus. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will bear what? Everybody say it together. Much fruit. Much fruit. Not just a little bit of fruit. Much fruit. Okay? For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's really powerful. World changing. If you got just that idea, it would change your life forever. Come to the prayer meeting. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory. Listen to this. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. When we bear fruit, we're giving glory to God. When we're fruitful and we're multiplying, we're giving glory to God. That's how we honour God, being fruitful. He says, stay connected to me and you'll be multiplying and be fruitful. You'll have much fruit, fruit and lasting fruit. I want fruit, much fruit, and I want lasting fruit. Because everything I do today will be gone tomorrow. But what lasts for eternity is what matters, right? It's what matters. I want so much fruit in heaven, they have to open a Tony and Mark's fruit store, fruit and veg store in heaven. Look at so much fruit Ashley has got from his life. Wow, look at it. We better, you know what I'm saying? You get the idea. God is so committed to your fruitfulness that He'll cut off things that aren't fruitful. So, oh, no, I didn't want that. I didn't want that staff member to leave. Well, in three years' time, you'll be so glad they left. Why? Because it was to make you fruitful. God wants to make us fruitful. Who's getting the message? Okay, good. I'm a teacher, so I like to repeat what I'm saying until I, the students have got it. If you're watching online, this is for you as well. God wants you to be fruitful, right? A gardener is so committed to a fruit tree being fruitful, it'll cut off branches that aren't being fruitful. So don't be surprised when God cuts off things. It's not to hurt you, stop you. It's to promote you. Okay? Have you ever wondered why God put a seed in everything He made? Just felt like it? No, because His whole future is based, our whole future is based on understanding multiplication. So God put a seed in everything. So it would multiply. It would be fruitful. You know, God has put a seed inside your intellect so it can be fruitful. The ability to create, conceive, and multiply. You know, everybody has the command by Jesus to go and make disciples. All of us in this room should be multiplying. If you want to know what joy is, go and bring someone to God's house and see them find Christ. Tell them about Jesus. You wanna multiply your joy? Tell them because God's made you a multiplier. So when you do what God wants you to do with the multiplication, it brings great joy in you. If you understand that, 
then the logic of life changes. It's not what the world says, the media says, it's what God's Word says. Hey, when I share, see, I'm an encourager. I wasn't an encourager, but when I'm depressed, discouraged or down, I find people to encourage. It's the opposite of what I wanna do, but I'm trying to bring joy back into me, multiply peace back into me. When I tell people about Jesus, it brings joy to me, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a multiplier. You will find joy when you tell somebody this week, come to church with me this week, I promise you. Make sure they come. See them find Jesus and joy just explodes inside of you. God's made you to multiply. The church is not meant to be us four and no more. It's meant to multiply. That's why at 12 campuses, it's not enough. We're gonna go for more. More people to reach. More people being born every day. We're gonna have more churches all over the world. So, I remember uh, 10 years ago before I came here, one of the people I went to see was uh, a pastor, a very famous pastor, and this pastor's name, he lives in Singapore and runs a church called New Creation Church, very famous pastor called Joseph Prince. Who's heard of Joseph Prince? Put up your hand if you've heard of Joseph Prince, okay. Very famous pastor, huge church. I mean, his church to build in Singapore, eye-watering, $500 million to build his church. It's also the national stadium for the government and all the big pop concerts are played in that stadium. It's incredible what he's done. He's an incredible man and the most gentle guy, just an amazing guy preached for him. And then 10 years ago before I was coming here, I went to ask him if he'd help us, if he'd plant a seed, he'd give us some money to start the church. Joseph Prince, for the first 12 months that we started in Atlanta, supported the church of was well, influences now futures, right? But as I sat at lunch, you know what he said to me? He said, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? But at that stage, I was one of the national directors over a thousand churches. I was a state director I was in charge of the peak body of charities for, for um, charismatic churches. And he's saying, why are you doing this? You could go to America, that could fail. While you're gone, this could fail. You should be playing golf more often. You should be, in other words, he's saying, settle down. And I said, no, nah, no, nah, I hear what you're saying, Joseph. I appreciate the kind sentiments, the, the heartfelt, but get behind me, Satan, in Jesus' name. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. But I just thanked him just graciously and I walked away and I realized that's just a wonderful human sentiment, but it's not God. God wants me to multiply. And so I thought to myself, why did he say that? Why would he discourage me from doing what I'm doing? Of course, he backed us, so he didn't really, he was just asking me the question. Well, let me show you through the Bible. You ready? Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply to Adam in his ignorance. Genesis 9, to the devastation after the flood, to Noah, be fruitful and multiply. David, you know, he starts talking to everybody. And then chapter 11, we read the story that we all know very well. And I want you to hear this part because this is gonna blow your mind. <laughs> Genesis 11 is the Tower of Babel or Babel, as some people say, right? Now, I was taught as a kid like this. These men full of pride tried to build a tower to the sky to get as high as God. And God saw their pride and He confused their languages. It's not actually what happened. It's part of the story, but it's not the whole story. Here's what happened. After God had said, be fruitful and multiply Genesis 9, by the time we get to Genesis 11, there are 500 families now on the earth. They moved to a valley called Shinar. Everybody say Shinar. She's one of our worship leaders back in Adelaide. Her name is Sheena. Anyway, 
they, you'll see it next week probably on the live recording. So she, Shinar is this valley. And the people got to the place of Shinar and they said, someone said, like Joseph Prince, let's stop here. Let's play more golf. Let's not multiply. Let's stay here. It says, as they sat around the gates, and you read this, I, I forgot to get the scripture to put it up there, but you look it up, Genesis 11. It says, this will stop us from being scattered all over the earth. Let's build a tower. In other words, bring people together for a vision. Let's create something big that stops us. It wasn't made, it wasn't built out of pride. It was built out of fear. We're gonna create something that prevents everybody multiplying and we're gonna make it so big they'll spend their whole life in trying to build it. It wasn't pride, it was fear. So God sees their fear. Remember, God's so committed to multiplication, He created the wind to create multiplication every time it blows. For us to produce babies through coming together and multiplying. One cell becomes billions of cells. So God sees what they're doing and goes, listen, I'm so committed, I appreciate your fear and I feel sorry for you, but I'm so committed to you multiplying that I'm gonna come down, I'm gonna make you multiply. How? Change their languages so they can't talk to each other. He changed their languages. We live in a world now with many languages, right? He changed their languages because they refused to be fruitful and to multiply and to follow God's command. So God says, well, I'm gonna make you because I know what's best for you. And so He makes them scatter so they have to multiply. But this is what I love about God, right? Because if you go to the very next chapter, Genesis 12, now we're following this chronologically, right? Sometime later, God's so committed to multiplication. So what does God do, right? First of all, let's be, let me go back before that. Here's the question. Why did they want to settle down? In fact, they said, let us settle here. The people that settled in the Valley of Shinar said, let us settle. Here's the great challenge for every human being on the earth. Finish this sentence for me. I can't wait to get married and I can't wait to retire and we have this vernacular that's poured into us to settle, get married and settle down. Have you noticed married people used to be fun and now they're not? <laughs> they used to do anything wild, now they would take no risks. They used to say, how it's a boring life to sit around looking at roses, now they go and tend their little geraniums and other things. They go from the most exciting multiplication-oriented people to the most boring people. Why? Because they were taught, get married and settle. I'm telling you, the devil wants you to settle. God wants you to multiply. When you settle, you die. There's a study, study many studies. People that retire and stop doing any work die quicker than those who have things. We all know it. We've all heard it. Why is that? Because when you settle, you die. It's the first step to a slow death. I'm passionate about this, but I promise you I'm not even at my peak yet. I'm halfway through my greatest season of my life. I'm gonna be better in 10 years than I am now. You know why? Because I'm a multiplier. I am so committed to the principle of theology of multiplication. That's not a good motivational talk that I'm giving. I'm giving you pure theology. And you can argue with me afterwards, give me all the scriptures you like and boom, you'll be flattened by the truth because God wired us to multiply or die. When your body stops multiplying, you're dead. When your mind stops multiplying, you're dead. 
When your emotions stop multiplying, you're dead. When your spiritual life stops multiplying, you're dead. I'll tell you the story. 20 years ago, I had a dream. I had a very close friend that we'd built houses next to each other. He was an incredible businessman. Things happened, he got his eye off the ball, he got full of pride, got full of stuff and whatever. And he just drifted. And I don't get many dreams, right? My dreams don't mean squat, really. I'm not a prophetic person in that way. So when I get one, which is once a decade, it's a real one. I get this dream about him, and in this dream, he's in a wheelchair, and they're wheeling him around, and he's dying. And I'm trying to talk to him about the fact that he's dying, and he keeps pointing at the sky, distraction. Yeah, look at the sky, look at the birds. Look at this over here, look at this. And I was trying to talk to him, but hey, you're dying. He's in a wheelchair, you're dying. He didn't want to know, he was trying to distract me, wouldn't let me get a word, he was distracting, distracting, distracting me. I remember waking up, it's only happened twice in my life where I've woken up from a dream crying. I was crying, this was so real, I was crying, just crying and crying. So I made an appointment to go see him. And I said, Peter, I had a dream about you last night or last two nights ago. And this is the dream I had. You were in a wheelchair and you were dying. And I tried to tell you and you wouldn't listen. And you tried to distract me for all these things. But I'm here to tell you the dream was real and you're dying. Spiritually dying, vision dying. I said, I don't do this stuff. I'm not one of those guys that makes proclamations. I, I fear God. I don't want to be judged. Right? So I'm very careful. I don't make those pronouncements. I've only done it once in my life. I said to him, you're dying. He said to me, you're totally right. But he did nothing about it. Lost his marriage, lost his kids, lost everything, died. Lost his influence, lost everything. Why do we settle down? You only settle down to die. It's multiply or die. That's God's way. Because God wants the whole of your life to be filled with fruitfulness. God will cut off things that aren't fruitful in order to do for you to be fruitful. Oh, I sense the Holy Spirit in here so strongly. This is such a deep subject, right? Because it has your future at stake. We can talk about, yeah, yeah, let's serve God, love Jesus. It's much deeper than that. It's about multiplication in the soul, the spirit, understanding God. What is God up to? God is trying to get you in the center of His will so you can multiply. We run off doing our own thing. You'll die like my friend did. He's still alive, but he's the walking dead. So my question is this, have you settled? Have you settled down? Have you got happy, happy with just having enough? Having a good job, having a couple of cars, having some friends, have some food? Is that for you? Is that the end game? Is that it? Wow! Well, let's just go to heaven now because it's it. You've reached the zenith. Or do you think there's another 50 years of incredible fruitfulness in front of you? Another 50 years of incredible achievement, changing lives, but not for yourself. Because remember, greed is multiplication on the wrong side, but multiplication is still true. And it's part of you. God wants you to multiply for Him, for His kingdom, for your joy, for your peace, for your eternity. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ 
will last. Can't take any of it with me, so I might as well use it to multiply souls into the kingdom. That's how I live my life. See, if you've settled, then you're living in contradiction to God's command and you won't prosper. I've watched so many people stop. Why do people stop? What is it? It's fear normally. It's hurt. Why do people stop? There's a hurt. There's a fear. Why do people stop? Distraction. Wrong relationships. Why do people stop? You know, when the early settlers came to America, they battled wind and sea and danger. And they planted on the northeast coast and they got there and, and so on. They built a town and of course there was hardship and all those kinds of things. Then a few short years later, they decided, some people that wanted to multiply decided to build a, a road three miles westward. They discussed it in the town. These are the officials that wanted to do this. Guess what? They tried to impeach those officials. These were people who had the vision to go across the world to find a new land. And after a few short years, couldn't even see three miles out of town. Thank goodness they didn't succeed with their stopping of the vision, multiplication. Why do we settle down? My question to you is this, have you settled? Has the multiplication morphed? Like cancer is a, a morphing of cells. Has your multiplication morphed into something that's not good for you? Or have you just settled altogether? And Genesis 11, which is the Tower of Babel, when God changes their language, is the beginning of the great conflict between God and man. Man's desire to settle. Devil wants you to settle. Remember, devil says to Jesus, I'll give you a shortcut. Don't go to the cross. I'll give you a shortcut. Look at all the nations of the earth. I'll give you a shortcut. You don't have to go that way. Go this way. It'll be easier. No, it won't. All right. Genesis 11 marks the great beginning of the great struggle. And here's the problem, right? When we settle, we start making excuses. Right? And the excuses just start to pile up. It's time to get rid of the excuses and say, God made me to be a multiplication machine. I was wired with God's theology in my biology to be a fruitful and a multiplying person. What's made me settle? Got to stop it. Overcome it. Forgive it. Repent of it. Whatever it is, let's multiply. Church, I'm telling you, if there's ever a message I wanted to get into your heart, this is it. Listen to it again and again and again. And next week I'm going to teach you how, but let me keep going. Keep going. It's a lifelong struggle for every human being, and here's why. Because multiplication requires faith. It requires you to stay fresh. It requires you to get over your hurts. It requires you to trust. It requires being on the edge. So I love God. God's so committed to His principle. Let me prove it to you. Genesis 11, scatter them. Genesis 12, as I've pondered this for decades and not known the answer, but I have the answer. In Genesis 12, God's so committed to multiplication that God does something really strange. He scours the earth now for the most incapable multiplier, the oldest man, the oldest woman, the person who wants to multiply but can't, physically are past it. This is what I love about God. He looks for the weakest, 
He looks for the worst. He looks for the most incapable, the most incompetent, the person that has no sperm anymore, that has no eggs anymore, that can't multiply even though they want to. And God says, I'm going to choose, you know what, watch this angels, I'm going to choose the most incapable person to show those people back in Sheena what I mean. So he chooses an old man, an old woman. And they, of course, she laughs, the woman laughs, ha <laughs> with an old woman, bear a child in an old age. And God chooses them to be the father and the mother of faith. Now, I used to think to myself, it really is a, while well, having a baby is a miracle, right? It's such a common miracle. There were people who did bigger things, part the Red Sea, turn the Nile into blood. I mean, there were big, big miracles and they choose, God chooses Abraham as the father of faith and all he did was have a baby. Have you ever pondered that? I do. I ponder these things. Why him? Why not someone bigger? Someone who's done more? Someone who's more extravagant? Because God's committed to multiplication. So God's looking for a multiplication miracle. So He looks at the oldest man, the oldest woman and says, I'm going to choose you because I can see inside of you that you want to even though you can't. Will you believe me? And the Bible says these six words, and Abraham believed God. And Abraham believed God. It's four words. <laughs> and Abraham believed God. And boom, took him 25 years. We're going to talk about that next week, how to multiply, because there is a process. I believe in the miraculous, and I believe in the process. I believe in the supernatural, and I believe in the natural. And what God does is put a super on our natural. He gives us process, but He turbocharges the process. And I'm going to teach you next week. You don't want to miss next week. I promise you, well, I'll give you the how to. Right? This is what I love about God. God searches out people who want to but can't or feel incapable. When God chose me to be a preacher, I was the most unlikely person you would choose. Ridiculously shy. Most people think I'm the extrovert. She's the extrovert. I'm an introvert. I'm a recovered introvert. And I'm healed of my introversion. Not that it's a disease, but for me, it was an impediment. I'm called to be a preacher, but I don't want to preach. I'm happy with my three friends, us four and no more. I don't care about anyone else. I don't want to preach. So I said to God, how could you be so cruel and call me? I'm a dud. I don't want to even do it. And you call me to be a preacher. You give me no gifts. You give me no abilities. I sat down with T.D. Jakes, asked him how to preach. He told me, I'm like, well, you're just a genius. I can't learn from you. And I thought, God, for 10 years of preaching, let me just say this to you true. For 10 years of preaching, I felt afraid every time I preached. I don't now. But Jane will tell you when it lifted off me. But she said, are you okay? It was a Sunday morning before I was about to preach. We were away with my band. I had a rock band and we used to travel and I used to preach. That's how I was trying to help myself, right? Learn. She goes, you're different today. Why? You're not narky. You're not stressed. You're not wanting to be by yourself. You're engaged. You're relaxed. Are you okay? At the end of that morning, I got up and preached. Preached this incredible message for then, right? And my, the lead singer of our band came up to me and says, you were awesome today. And I said, oh, thank you so much, Tony. That was awesome. He goes, yeah, normally you're really boring. <laughs> but today you were amazing. So thank you. So you've known that for the last three years while we've been traveling. Okay, thank you so much. Now I know. Now I know why I used to tick off while I was preaching to you out in the foyer. I said, God, why would you call me? But I made a determination to multiply. I couldn't, but I wanted to. And I asked God, God, I can't, so come, please help me. And then I started the hard work of learning how to multiply. Now I've got to tell you, 
now I teach people how to preach because I had to learn the hard way and now I know why God made it difficult for me because I'm meant to be a trainer. I'm meant to release other people. I'm meant to plant 200 campuses and release pastors. That's why I don't preach on the big screen in every campus. I want those preachers to learn to be preachers. I haven't got so much ego that I need that I'm the only one with the truth. It's harder to lead that way, but it's the longer term benefit that I'm looking for. Does that make sense? Now, there's nothing wrong with doing it that way. It's just not the way God told me to do it. So God's looking for someone who wants to but can't. You see, I have a vision to plant one day five, camp, five to 10 campuses a year and build five buildings a year. Stupid. Most churches only ever build a building once every 20 years. Have a look. I wanna build five a year. Will you believe with me that we can? Because this is the thing. If I serve a God who's omnipotent and omniscient and has all the resources of the world and I'm gonna multiply, do you think He's gonna help me? Let me read to you a scripture. So I haven't got my notes, but I think it's on the screen there out of 2 Corinthians chapter nine. It says this. I want you to read it. We've got 2 Corinthians chapter nine. It's the very last verse. There it is. Now he who supplies seed. Let's read this together. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your store of seed and will increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous on every occasion. That's the person who wants to multiply. God says, if you want to multiply, I'll give you seed to multiply. And then I'll multiply your seed so you've got more. So that on every occasion that you need to be generous, you'll have enough resource. That only happens if we are a multiplying machine in our heart and our mind right? That's God's promise. I will give you seed. I'll give you finances. I'll give you resources. I'll give you food for your home so you won't go without. But I'll give you seed if you'll trust me. If you'll give me what you have, then guess what? I'll multiply it so you have more, so you can give me more. But I'll also do it so I can bless your whole family as well. And it will also increase the harvest of your righteousness. That means in heaven, it'll go down on your account as a reward that can never be taken away. So powerful. This is what I felt the Holy Spirit say to me. I'm gonna finish in the bank and come on up at this point. I felt that God wanted, I, I, I've got the faith and I have got the anointing of God to pray for people for a spirit of multiplication and increase and fruitfulness because I have the revelation of it. I've watched us. I've watched us go from one campus to two campuses now to 12 campuses. I've seen the multiplication. At some point, it's gonna be 40 campuses. Next 10 years, you watch, it's gonna be over 40 campuses. Why? I believe that multiplication is the natural state of being. It's how God wired me. It's how I'm gonna live. I expect more. I believe for more. I go after more. Why do I do that? Because I wanna be used by God the more that it's possible, the most that it's possible. I want my life to show a trail behind. I want to leave behind. I just share this with you, not for any other reason except to encourage your faith. I want to leave behind at least $500 million worth of buildings for the next generation. If I went to the grave and the next generation had $500 million worth of buildings, I'd like, yeah, I did my job. Maybe a billion dollars of buildings. Imagine if we had churches in Brazil and churches in Colombia and churches in Peru and churches in Europe and churches in Africa and churches in the Philippines and churches in Malaysia and churches all over the place and we were able to not just send a missionary but send a building. Oh my goodness, that is the best thing ever. 
Why? I'm a missionary kid. I grew up in the jungles of Papua New Guinea. I know what it's like not to have a building. My mum gets really sick. We have to leave the mission field. What happens to all that work? My other auntie lived for six years, after 27 years in the Congo, for six years in, the, in Chad. Never led one person to Christ in six years. And then when she had to go, what's left? I want to leave behind something. I don't know about you. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. That's not just money for them to spend. It's a spiritual inheritance. It's an emotional inheritance. Like I think we've parented our kids better than our parents parented us. And I hope our kids parent their kids better than we parented them. It'll be hard for them to do that. But you know what I'm saying? This is how it's supposed to go. Multiplication increase. Think about how the world is multiplying right now. Just in technology. Just think about how it's happening. It's like Jacob. Boom. Well, imagine if the church could start to grab hold of multiplication like Mark Zuckerberg did and like some of these other people did. And we started going, okay, God, use me. Here I am. I want to be a multiplying machine for you. Not for me. For you. Yeah, it'll, it'll benefit you too. But it's for Him. I promise you, you'll have riches in heaven You'll have riches on earth, you know what I'm saying? You'll be blessed on earth and you'll fulfill the will of God.